Hello, I'm Nicholas DiLorenzo and welcome to After Mastery, a show where we share in the stories of artists, producers, engineers and managers about what happens after mastering for you to learn from and make informed decisions when it comes to your next release. Today, I am joined by my doppelganger in name, Nicholas Roberts. Welcome. How's it going? How are you? I'm doing incredibly well. And yourself? I'm doing well, doing well. It's just getting into evening here. I know we're in different time zones, so... The sun's just peeking through. Yeah, and it, and it looks like it's an awesome sundown with clear skies. I think that it is. It was supposed to rain earlier, kind of coming into the summer. It rains all the time, but we're do- we're doing all right. We're hanging in there. No interference in the uh, in the signal. Ah, oh, awesome, beautiful. Well, you are somebody super exciting to me because the, the, when I think of Nicholas Roberts, I think of somebody who's always releasing lots of music. <laughs> um, we've, we've done, we've done it. We've done it a bit together as well. And something that's really cool that I've always loved is your sync stuff onto MTV because oh, yeah. I have, I, I have a guilty obsession where I do watch some in- MTV shows, which some of the viewers, uh, listeners would end up cringing at if they knew what I was I, watching. What shows are you watching? Do I have to say? I can't. So I haven't watched it in a long time, but. The Geordie Shore, Jersey Shore, things oh, yeah. like that na- nature where, where you can't look away, train wreck, you, you got to watch it. So that was the first, I think, um, I think Jersey Shore was the first sync placement I ever had. Wow. Uh, yeah. Having songs on a TV show, Jersey Shore, that's putting it back there a little while. Uh, that was somebody from, I had sent my music like to a music blog or something at the time, the guy that ended up writing an article about it, got a job at MTV and hit me up like two years later. said, we're looking for stuff. Could you send whatever you've got through? And then, you know, whatever it was two months later, I was, you know, had the TV on. I'd never watched Jersey Shore before. I, I, you know, culturally it was a big thing, but turning on the TV and seeing it there was pretty funny. So what what happened um, when you had to, did you get a brief to write to or did that, um, that was a music supervisor just ask for you to send through some stuff that you'd been working on uh it was more of that yeah the my experience because i've to up to date now probably 50 probably 50 or 60 placements on mtv by total by total fluke of the universe uh and they tend to work more on um licensing stuff directly so they're usually just focused on cool new music uh, trying to get it into background cues or for commercials, that sort of thing. They want to still be like seen as a cool music brand. Uh, so in, the, in those cases, like for MTV, I, I don't think they've ever sent anything and said, we want you to write something that sounds exactly like this that we can't afford, but we need something that sounds like it. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never had that. It's always been like a direct license. Oh, that's good. Because that meant you didn't really have to, you know, you're not a method rider where you would have had to like get your tank top on and head out to the Jersey shore right. and like, you know, fucking club make a road trip. and then make a road trip out of it. And like, yep, I've got the inspiration and you come home with a fake tan and, you know, fresh eyelashes or some shit. I don't know. That'd, make, just, it, that'd uh, make a good story though. Right. I, yeah, I don't know it, that I could pull off the tan, but who, who knows it, that it, all, all the tans look horrible, but, um, you know, I I, th- I think I think it would it would make for a really good story. I think you're just a little bit disappointed that they didn't ask you to do that at the moment. A little bit, you know. <laughs> if they had paid, if they had rented the car for me, I would have done it. 
if they be like, here's your Ford Fusion for the week, head up to the Jersey Shore. Done there. I'd invite you, of course. I would say I've got I've got a condo. Oh man, I I don't know if I'd last. Um, but that 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 looks that looks um that 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 sounds like a hilarious story that we just made up on the spot there, which is good <laughs> fun. Um, so let's 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 wrap back. To the serious sure. stuff. Yeah, what, what happens after Musk? We went went way too deep and philosophical there, didn't we? Um, so you, you've done fifty to sixty placements on MTV now, which is a voluminous amount of placements. Mm-hmm. For those fifty to sixty placements you had, how many rejections did you have on top of that? Um, that's a good question. So I, the way that I am in the sync space. Um, yeah, if I can fill in a couple of details, yes, a couple of years ago, like I said, the, the way that I got started in sync was by com- complete accident. I just happened to be a kid that made music that made it to a music, pl- like it's not replicatable. It just happened to get to somebody at, that worked at MTV. And so I'd had, I got on Jersey shore, I think one time and maybe one other TV show. And that was kind of the end of it. And I just, they didn't license anything else from me. The guy that I knew that worked there moved on to another job. And that was kind of, that was kind of the end of it. So when I finished fast forwarding a little bit, I can't remember what year it was, but a couple years ago, let's say four or five years ago, I had just finished recording an album. The band that I was in broke up. I was on to new stuff. I made a solo record and I knew that licensing was a thing. I was like, Oh, I remember I've had songs on TV. I should probably, you know, keep exploring that. So I, uh, I took that info and I just started watching the same shows that I had been on before. And I would watch the credits and see what songs were being used. And then I would look up all those bands on Google or Facebook or whatever it was, and then see who was doing their licensing. And so I kind of backpedaled or backtracked a little bit and then spent a couple of weeks before my album came out, just reaching out to everybody that I could find from those TV shows that I was watching. And then subsequently ended up landing uh, into a sync deal with an agency that of course, because of the shows that I was watching uh, had an existing relationship with Viacom and with MTV and was able to introduce that. That wasn't my primary focus. I didn't want to like necessarily, I have to get back on MTV, but uh, it just kind of happened that way. So I, I don't know how many rejections I've got. I'm, I'd be curious to know how many times I've been said no to on, on that front. But I, get, I know that I get rejected from briefs. We were talking about that. Sync stuff will come into my inbox commercials. Probably once or twice a week, I'll get hit up to, to write something custom. And it very, very, very rarely works out because so many people are submitting, uh, submitting music for those sorts of things. Okay, interesting. So, what? So, with that, you, you've you've went through the credit list, you've found the licenses, and then mm-hmm. you know, he, leading up to finishing up a track and and getting it out to the world, you're hitting them all up. What are you saying in that email? Is it like, yeah, I, I don't know what it's like. It's it's complete alien territory to me, actually. So I'll let you just answer and fill that in. Like t- reaching out to a sync person, you mean? Like to get your stuff on TV and film? The okay, maybe. Did I misinterpret something? So there's the, you, you said you went through the credits, you'd find the bands, you'd find who the music was licensed to, you'd approach them. Um, what would you yeah, say to so, them? Yeah, so most, most of those bands, um, I don't know, 
I don't want to put a number to it, but if I had to guess, 90%, I'd say, of the music on MTV is licensed either directly from a band, but most likely licensed from an agent or an agency. Okay. So the agency kind of acts in between the artist and the band and the TV show. And that's because like, there's contracts that need to get filled out trying to get trying to unfortunately musicians are kind of slow to respond to things so having an agent in between when a tv show is working on a fast deadline and they need a contract signed uh, and they need to make sure all the files are formatted correctly it's easier for them to work directly with an agent and license 10 or 15 songs rather than trying to like dm 15 different artists on instagram to meet a, a deadline for the show going to air so i was emailing the agent in between a sync agent who was subsequently pitching. Um, I, I don't. I would have to look up what I put in those emails, but I, I think, I think the key things that I hear a lot now, having done it for a while, is number one, owning your own publishing and mastering. If you're the full owner of your own song, it's a lot easier to license it than if you have to get permission from a whole bunch of people all the time. Okay. So. I think that was a big thing in my email. I said, like, I have this record. I own all the mastering and the publishing. Like, it's all mine. I, I'm the person that gets to decide what happens with it. Uh, the fact that the music was new is also appealing. Uh, like I said, brands and, and TV shows seem to want to like, they want to license new music. They want to associate themselves with being cool and being hip. Uh, and subsequently, when a song is kind of old, if it's maybe more than two years old, it kind of falls into it, it's still they're still cool songs, but they're less wanted. It's a, a lot harder to license older and older songs unless they're big hits. Of course, you hear big hits from the 90s and stuff all the time. Uh, so, yeah, the newness of it saying like this is an unreleased record. I haven't sent it to anybody else. I own all my mastering and publishing. And in my case, it was beneficial that I had had previous licensing success, but I've worked now with a couple of friends and partners that we've worked on projects together that they're coming in cold. They have no licensing success uh, up to that point, but the quality of the music is such that uh, it was able to, to still get signed somewhere or, or work with, work with different people. Okay. Interesting. And, and so you're doing this on like you're doing this for the most part on projects you're doing yourself, but you also said that you're you've got friends in the fold as well that you're working with. Are you syncing yeah. tracks with them as well? And if you are, because it might be split the the master rights and publishing rights, do you stipulate, mm -hmm. hey, we've got fifty fifty, but we both agreed to sign this on? Is is that something you say up front when you do have multiple partners? Yeah, I think not to get that's a great question not to get like super in the weeds but if there's songs i in my mind i kind of differentiate songs that are kind of fall under my name like nicholas roberts on spotify stuff that i'm releasing and representing as an artist is the majority of my time but there are times where i'm writing specifically for sync and in those cases i usually try to split everything equally with everybody like in my own stuff i own the master and we'll split publishing and whatever. Uh, and that's, that makes sense. But in the sync, I want to make sure everybody gets their, gets what they're owed uh, and not just get a writing credit on something. So in those cases, it's a little complicated, 
but I have con- there's contracts. My sync agent sends them over because it's a, it's a common scenario. There's contracts in place that say I'm going to be the representative of the master, almost like a, a record label. Yep. And all of the get all of the co-writers to say I'm willing to let Nicholas Roberts represent this song in sync. And if he makes any money from it or it places somewhere, pass that down in these percentages to everybody that worked on it. So it's a it's a a little harder, but in the sync world, that's it's incredibly common. So um, there's usually contracts and stuff in place ready to go for that. Yeah. So it it sounds like your agent or having an agent, at least in the sync world, is important to have sort of like a heavy hitter. They're, they're, they're the person that can, you know, sort of move mountains in a way um, in terms mm. of getting your door in. So you reached out to a few of them. This particular one that you're with now or that you connected with at the start and you got on board, what mm-hmm. was that sort of journey between, yeah, I'm interested as an agency in you guys, in, in you, Nicholas, um, and to the point where you've put pen on paper and said, okay, we're in bed together. We're making something happen. Were there certain things you're looking out for? Were there certain things you, you, you were doing or learned? What, what, was that, what was that sort of yeah. process? I think kind of the, the biggest thing when I was reaching out to people at the time, I didn't know that there was a difference between what's called like exclusive and non-exclusive licensing uh, or contracts. So in an exclusive contract, you basically agree that there's only going to be one person representing your songs uh, at any given time, whatever the contract says for a year, two years, whatever. And the benefit of an exclusive licensing deal or working with an agent in that capacity is kind of coming back to that hipness thing or coolness. When somebody wants to license a song, and they can go to an agent, they know that they're the only ones that are going to get it because it'd be kind of embarrassing for like four different TV shows or a commercial and something all to have the same song at the same time. If your agent is the only one representing you, they, are, they can say, oh, it's, it's cool if we use this in a mayonnaise commercial and on this TV thing because they're not going to, neither person is going to get upset. So with an exclusive agent, you tend to get, you can earn I get earn more money, I guess, because they, they have somebody fighting for you, et cetera. But I didn't know that that existed at the time. I thought they were all kind of the same. Um, and then the, the other side of it is a non-exclusive. And that's a lot of like music libraries. So if you're producing like a YouTube video or something, there's a dozen sites. I'm sure you've probably gotten ads for them that you can go on to and just pay 10 bucks or 20 bucks and just use a song. No problem. Nobody's going to come after you. But the problem with that then is that hundreds of people could have that song. And I think even in, you know, music production, people, you're, you're starting to hear the same splice loops in songs now or the same like recycled stuff from sample packs. It's the same kind of thing in music licensing, a whole bunch. You're going to hear the same song again. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that there was a difference in world. So I, I had heard back like from some non-exclusive libraries, like, yeah, we'd like to license your stuff. And I'd heard back from some exclusive companies. So that was, that was definitely a learning curve. Um, I, yeah, I would say probably from the time I started reaching out to, to those companies, to the time that I signed and my album came out and would like some new release, I want to say it was probably like three or four months. Uh, or it took a little bit of time to 
build that relationship for them to listen to the songs. You get on a phone call together to get the contract, take it to a lawyer. It was, it was just a, a little bit of back and forth. I'm sure you can do it a lot faster than that um, now, but at, at the time I didn't know how any of that worked. So. And are you with the same agent you were from day one? I am. Yeah. It's okay. been, it's been a good relationship so far. Um, that, that's really yeah, growing, cool. I guess, growing together. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, I, I, this is really interesting because this is like, as I said, it's all alien territory for me. I don't, Yeah. I'm not in this world. I'm just sort of like along for the ride with you. Um, so I think something that, you know, a lot of listeners being artists and creatives would say is that if they were to get a sync, even one sync placement, it'd feel like mm-hmm. a big accomplishment, like something for them. That's like, wow, this is incredible. I feel so mm-hmm. humbled and, 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 excited that somebody would accept my music and think of it in this way for this particular show or advertisement, whatever it may be Yeah, for yourself. Does that wear off 50, 60 times over? No, no. Okay, cool. No, it's still getting those emails. I usually get the email a couple hours before the show is on air uh, because they like, they wait until they make sure that it's in the can and they're ready to press play when it goes to TV. So they, I usually don't even know if something is being talked about for a, a TV placement. I, I'll find out when it's placed yeah. um, for sure, but it's still, yeah, I'm still really excited about it. It's cool to be able to turn on the TV or put on Netflix or something and hear, yeah, like hear your song playing in, in the background of it. I still, it still feels really, really fun and new every time. Do you, now this is this is this is a, a a funny embarrassing story that happened to me, but I'm going to ask you the question first. Have you okay. have you ever been watching a show, your song's been playing, but you haven't realized that it's your song yet because you're just so engaged mm. in what's happening? I don't know. I don't know that it's happened with a TV show because I don't. I yeah. I, I don't know that I would watch something without knowing ahead of time that I had a song in it. Okay, fair enough. So, but I was at a coffee shop maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, and I had just I had just met with somebody, another artist, and the coffee shop is you know just playing a Spotify playlist. They don't know, and my friend's song comes comes on on the playlist. I'm like, oh, that's so that's so crazy. They're you're playing their your song here in this coffee shop. And then the next song that came on was one of my songs on the, on this playlist. And that, that, that was wild to me. I I hadn't had that happen before. Just like coming on the radio. And I had that moment where I was like, this sounds real fucking familiar. And I couldn't place it. Couldn't place it. Oh, that's crazy. Cause, cause it happened to me as well with, um, I was in the car with my wife so yeah. on FM radio, it's a big station and this song's playing and it sounds really good. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this sounds sick. So I asked my wife, I go, Jay, can you Shazam this so I can check it out when I get home? She Shazams it. I go, who's the artist? She goes, oh, it's Jeans. And I'm like, oh, shit. This is a record <laughs> I worked on. <laughs> um, I'm sure when you work on so many things too. Yeah, you're writing, recording, you're mixing, mastering. You work on so many things and it could be months or years go by before it even comes out. It's easy to forget. Oh yeah, um, but that, that yeah, I've, 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 I just wanted to know that I'm human and it 
happens to all of us. You're um, totally fine. Times. <laughs> I felt so horrible about it because, you know, they're, they're, when we're, especially when we're working on them, when they go out into the world, all of our music are our babies. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you never, it, it's like when parents get their kids' names wrong when they're angry. It's like Thomas, Lucas, Jacob. No, uh, shit. No, not none of those. None of those. Yeah. Yeah. You're um, calling like cousins and aunts and uncles. Yeah, names. exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, man, that's, that's funny. Um, so oh, I, I was actually going on. A, I always do this because I'm just so excited with, with the guests that I just lose my train of thought. Um, which feel would, free go in any direction. I know like the sync stuff is a lot to, that's a is. lot to inhale all at once. It's a really complicated beast, I think. Yeah, we'll take a breather. <sighs> okay. I know exactly where I was going now. Please. Okay. So this is something that th- this is a reality for some artists that I see. Okay. So they're going to release a song. They've got their release plan set up. They're they're, they're, and again, I'm going to circle it back to sync, but, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to tie back into actually releasing music on its own. So they got their release plan set up. They want to land a sync deal. They're pushing for the sync deal. And not only is it, is it, can it be financially rewarding the, the, a sync deal, they also, I've seen a few people have hopes that landing the sync deal will positively impact the reception of the release on social mm. media, on getting potential playlists, on getting more streams because it's more visible because it's out there. Yeah. Being somebody that's lived that reality, are those expectations something that is met when something does get placement? I would say probably 20% of the time. Okay. Explain. Uh, yeah. I would say about 20% of the time. What? Uh, yeah. I've, I've had songs. It, I mean, the, the use case is somebody is watching a TV show. They hear this song. They go, what the hell is that? They Shazam it. And then they find it on whatever, YouTube or Spotify, wherever the song is. And I've definitely had that happen. But it's very much a... Yeah, it's very much a case-by-case basis. The people watching the show have to like the type of music that's happening on screen. And they're kind of, yeah, it has to be like the type of person that watches the channel, the, the show and the song all kind of have to line up for it to make sense. Because like, I'm sure you do the same. I've, I probably watched a TV show today that had a heavy metal song playing in the background, but I'm not current. Like, I used to be in a metal band, but like, I don't currently listen to metal music. So that song didn't grab my ear because I'm not the right person watching the show. So I, yeah, I guess I would say 20% of the time all of those things kind of line up where it, it makes sense and somebody starts shazamming it. However, I will say that having, having TV placements, when you're pitching a song, it's helpful to be able to say, hey, the song was on this TV show or is going to be, or I've had this placement before. It's uh, yeah, it's like a, a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout badge kind of thing. I feel like we're, You've you've earned it, um, and it and it helps. Uh, I don't feel like I did. I adequately answer that. I felt like I missed something. Mm, I, I I think I think you answered well. I think you answered well. I, I I think I think the main thing I was I'm trying to pick at is should should artists actually 
lean or crutch on getting a sync placement for the success of their release because mm. you know like they do they do look at it as though it is that badge but is that badge as valuable as it looks because people do recognize it, they do see it but does that convert to streams does that convert to growing your brand as an artist to developing with fans yeah so I, then yeah i would kind of def- go back to that 20 percent thing is it wouldn't I, I don't ever use it as a crutch for the success of a song unless I know kind of all of those things are going to line up where I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of like a tangible example. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I can be candid about it. So I had a song that I put out two weeks ago, I think, yeah, two, two and a half weeks ago uh, was on an MTV show. Like MTV premiered it on tune in tonight. Watch. I, I'm drawing up. I'm, apologize don't even remember the show there was an mtv show that premiered it on uh right before the day it came out and so i was i was like okay cool that's exciting that the song is in there but when the song came out nobody nobody was coming through on that so yeah i don't think that i i don't think that i got a single shazam in that time period when the show was on tv that led anybody back to the song on any of my platforms so that that was definitely a mode shift that then i had to still promote the song the way that i would normally promote it to try and get it traction independently of that Uh, the only thing that the maybe beneficial thing is this song was on mtv i feel like that that badge has probably has opened up opportunities and doors for me just having that sync experience so i would say Sync is great, but not, I don't think for the reason that you think it isn't like a one-to-one place, the song, and then the song blows up. Okay. Uh, that, I think that happens a lot less these days than it used to. Maybe like if Apple used your song for the iPod commercial in 2010, game changer. But now I think there's so many videos and so many ads and so many TV shows. And a lot of people don't even watch TV the way that they did uh, anymore. So yeah, I think the di- discovery funnel is, is a little s- smaller. Yeah. Okay. Now that, that's re- cool. And that, that, that was really cool. Um, like a, a very good story that, you know, is it, was that the track feel so right that recently came out? That it's funny you say recently, cause you're in Friday and I, it is not, it isn't out <gasps> oh, here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm just on your Spotify stalking to see which track it was. Um, so it would have been. It was a Back track called "Back to You." Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have plugged that song. Then you're still going to plug it to, to tomorrow in All your good. time. Um, that's awesome. So, okay. So since we're talking story mode, so you, you talk the story of "Back to You." It got a sync placement, um, and you had to do a bit of your own your own push after push it. up. Yeah. Now, feel, feel so comes out. Feel so right comes out Friday tomorrow for you. It's already out here <laughs> in Australia. Has it got a sing placement? Yes or no? No. So, what does that mean for you as an artist pushing this song? That song in particular, maybe I, I'm happy to dive into this. That song in particular, I'm a guest vocalist on, oh. and so I worked with another producer on that. Uh, I think I had written the song and sent it to them, and we just. A friend of mine and we decided to work on it and that song in particular is signed to an electronic music label yep. that's going to be pushing the song uh 
tomorrow, today, at some point, like through to playlists. And they part of the deal in that in that contract is uh, covers sync that they maintain the exclusive right over the song for sync for the length of the contract, all that sort of stuff. So I I don't have the opportunity just as the vocalist of that song to pitch it independently of the record label. Okay. Um, so so when you when you write on a song as a feature, obviously you want mm-hmm. every song to do well that you're a part of. Like as I said, your music or your babies, you want them to go out into the world and mm-hmm. you know be experienced by everybody and have a positive impact to other people. Um, when you're a feature artist, what control or autonomy do you have or do you take to when you put your music out there? So you're a feature artist. You can't license it necessarily. The, the label will be doing a campaign and doing that push. You as an, as, as an artist independent of that sort of ecosystem that's happening, um, mm. is there any sort of vested interest on your part to push it and if you do what what are your limitations what what are you getting done in the background or in the foreground um i'm trying not to speak in platitude so i'm trying to like use specific examples like this song is going to come out here in a few few hours uh leading up to this the label sent kind of a press pack to myself and to the producer on the song and so that has artists it's their press release well when they're reaching out to blogs and playlists and stuff that's what they're using so they sent that to us just for approval then they sent a pack like a media pack of videos images banners kind of all pre-made for spotify they send you everything that you need and then it, it depends it depends on the release but most often they'll also send a release calendar about when you can start talking about the song when it's okay and then they'll also have if like while we were signing the song and this is pretty common kind of an embargo period where i won't i'm not allowed to either talk about or release other music within a certain window around this song that's coming out so i think in this particular case i want to say it was like four weeks on both sides so i my last release was outside of that window and my next release will be on the other side of that window. So they use that time kind of allocated for you to push the song. So I, I get the pack, I post to social media about it. I use all the images and stuff they give me. And then above and beyond that, it, it kind of depends, I would say specifically in the electronic music space, label to label, where it's hard for me to do playlist pitching on Spotify because they, do a lot of that. So they have a lot of existing relationships in their playlist network. So me trying to go around them to hit up somebody that they're probably already talking to is a little clunky. So Spotify playlisting, I, I'm not a part of on a label release. I do independently. I can talk about that in a little bit, but uh, I will do some reaching out to like YouTube playlists um, so this particular label, I've talked to them in the past and said, Hey, I know some of these YouTubers. Can I pitch the song, uh, for them to use as a lyric video or put on their channel or something. So I'll still do that independently. Um, and I, I mean, follow up. I usually like to try and make a lot of content around a song, doing acoustic versions, a live version, a Q and a, anything I can to just generate ideas and content around the release, even, 
outside of the stuff that the label sends. That's kind of the bare minimum, I, <laughs> I think. But yeah, I, I think there's, it depends case by case kind of who I'm working with and what we've talked about or the relationship that we have yeah. um, with what, what I can step in and help with or what they're, they want to handle. Yeah, no, and that's fair enough because they've obviously got you know you don't want to undermine the label or undermine the other producer or no mm-hmm. that, that, that's really cool. So you said something interesting and it's a bit of a buzzword in the sort of release releasing world because it's uh-huh. very coveted. It's like finding a Dragon Ball or un- unpacking. Are you going to say Spotify playlisting? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the Charizard of the of the music release world. Right. A first edition. Exactly. Shadowless. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. card. Um so tell me. How does it work? Uh, how does it work for you? Because everybody has their own take, their own spiel, their own approach, their own sort of dig in it. What's the Nicholas Roberts Spotify? How do we? How are we doing it? Yeah. How, how's How's Mister Nicholas Roberts doing it? I okay. I could probably talk on this for a while. So, <laughs> from what I understand. I'm going to back up a couple years ago. I decided to start releasing music on a regular basis, like on a schedule of yep. doing, I started out doing one song a month and now I'm, I'm trying to increase that, but that, having the cadence of it. So by default, Spotify right now has two kind of discovery playlists. There's discovery weekly, which comes out on Mondays and release radar, which comes out on Fridays. And those are algorithmic playlists for every user to share new music that they might be interested in and it's in spotify's best interest to show them new music (laughs) that they might like uh so by releasing consistently i started finding that my audiences on discover weekly and release radar were growing so just out of the gate most of the if people ask me that's usually my go-to is that frequent releases are are putting more tokens in the machine like that snowball if, as long as the music that you're making is good that starts to snowball on itself just into a natural follower following uh, of your stuff so i think that's the first one and then i like everybody else on planet earth it seems have to use that spotify submission portal um, on the back end where you can submit directly to spotify they give you that option i've had I've, yeah i've had mild success i guess with it I've had a couple editorial placements, but I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you why. I have no idea what led to them. They're not, they weren't songs that were on TV. They aren't songs that have a lot of plays when they get added. I have no clue what happens at the Spotify editorial level. And I, I feel pretty comfortable enough, hopefully saying, like talking to friends even that are with major labels or who have been on a lot of editorial playlists say the same thing. They also submit, through the portal and the label might know somebody at Spotify and can help it, but it ultimately is up to the curator of the playlist. If they like it, you, you'll eventually get friends that might be able to pass it on, but if the song isn't a good fit, it's not a good fit. So editorial side, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's behind the magic eight ball. And to be honest, I don't think anybody does. Um, and then I think the third kind of thing are independent Spotify playlists. This definitely a lot of legwork, I think. 
but there are thousands and thousands of playlists on Spotify. There's people making playlists to play while they're playing, uh, playing games on Twitch. Uh, there's pop playlists, indie pop playlists, hip hop, like everything is on there independently of the curated stuff on Spotify. And I think it's a very, like it's a flourishing ecosystem. If you can get on some cool independent playlists that you can reach out to a lot of times, um, yeah, just search for whatever indie pop music or pop, whatever you make or chill gaming or whatever it is, and just click into all the playlists that Spotify doesn't own. And oftentimes the contact information for that curator, they'll put it in the description of the playlist and you can reach out to them uh, directly. And I, over time, what I've found is if a song starts doing well in independent playlists, it may make it over to editorial editorial playlist may pick it up or you may get even more in that discover weekly release radar um, side of things. So yeah, I mean, in, I would say release frequently uh, and don't be afraid to reach out to the independent playlist. It'll take some legwork. And I know there's a couple tools out there now for playlist research, but my personal opinion is do the, do the work manually. I know there's all this, there's a bunch of playlist pitching companies out there uh, that, they're just they never really seem to work. I've had one or two people that I've worked with or uh, yeah, have had help help me on my team to pitch to playlists, but they're not com- they're not just like a company that you can go to their website. It's some it's somebody who knows somebody uh, kind of thing. So I would say do I prefer to do it independently. Just do type it in, get a good cup of coffee, um, and bang them out into an Excel spreadsheet and then start reaching out when your song is out. Okay. And, and, and this is a, this, this might be a more a briefer sort of question. Yeah. Sorry. Is, that was long winded. No, 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 no. I don't care if it's long winded. I just know that this is sort of like in my brain, or it could be more complicated than what I think. Um, is payola for independent playlists, something that's rampant in the community? Like, do you get often get people asking for a bit of, money supplies yeah it's good sorry and is is that something that you would warn others against to stay away from or is it sort of just part of the game that's a that's a tough area um and i say that because it feels like it's gotten it's gotten way worse in the last i think kind of as covid ramped up i feel like i feel like the practice became a lot more common i think like obviously paying for to be on playlists is against the spotify uh terms and conditions and i'm not sure if they'll take i've heard people like their music gets taken down i think i'm not sure how spotify knows that sort of stuff so there's a risk if you're paying for playlists that that something can happen um, you want to try obviously try and get in front of the curators that aren't going to charge you uh, that are just like passionate music listeners. And I think I, I, the biggest thing I think w- with paying for playlists is not, is not for the curator's time to get into the playlist. The problem is that a lot of playlists, if you're not uh, careful, are just bots listening. These companies charge you $100 or $500 to put a song in the playlist. And then all the people that are listening to the playlist are just like from a farm a click farm or something none of the listeners are real and then as soon as your like hundred dollars is up your listeners just drop off a cliff so i think you you really have to be careful 
um, when you're reaching out to find, I don't know how to define it, but like real playlists uh, curated by human beings that they're either spending money on Facebook advertising or doing something to actively promote it to an audience rather than rather than just trying to get your numbers up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cause don't, I can imagine don't go to Fiverr no. and buy like a thousand plays. Yeah. Cause I can just imagine the temptation there because would be that they'd probably have low hanging fruit. Like it's 50, 60, 80, a hundred bucks. And artists just think who cares if I put a hundred bucks, I get the plays. If I don't, it's yeah. less than spending two, two and a half grand on a PR company. Um, so, Let's let's well, back. I, oh, can yeah, I you go. just make a comment? Interject. I think yeah. it's the the payola thing is funny because what happens when you hire some of these companies? They they use that money to go and pay to be on playlists. So not not legitimate PR agencies, but some of those like indiemarketing.com or I don't. Hopefully that's not a good reputable person, but you know, those like we'll get a hundred thousand Spotify plays or like, let us run your PR for you. And you give them the money. They're just using that money to, to buy fake stuff. Uh, anyway, so you, you have to be, you really do have to be careful and like work with, work with people that have been doing it for a while. Yeah. I actually did hear that from a manager I spoke with where they said there are PR companies that will buy placements in blogs and magazines i'll pre-buy them in bulk so i'll just buy like 50 placements for the year at 100 bucks each and mm. then they'll charge their pr fee saying hey we're going to do a campaign for you we guarantee you at least three placements or three blogs or one radio play or whatever it is yeah and they've already got it lined up and they're just on selling it with an inflated price um Oh. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard similar things. Um, yeah, um, I've gotten I've gotten those emails. It makes me sick. Not it doesn't make me happy because it's it's very predatory. It's very very predatory. Um, what well, kind of builds? I think it builds. Um, I guess it builds a facade around actual what's actually happening. I think it's a lot easier these days to kind of figure out if somebody if something is being faked. Um, uh, yeah, I guess getting those articles is all cool and you can put it in your bio and stuff, but if it, if it's just like propped up by thin air, ev eventually you, you're going to have to build an actual wall out to the actually build a fan base and actually build listeners and people that will come to your shows and that sort of thing without it all just being a mirage. So how, how do you, how do you build up your wall? How do I build up the ball? I think, um, hmm. I think Spotify is a is a good example of that. Like it's building an organic uh, listener base that just that grows over time through frequent releases. Um, I think doing kind of yeah, putting in the work. I would say of yeah, I'm not ashamed to say that. Like I'll build an exp an Excel spreadsheet or Google Doc or something and just go to YouTube and find playlists placing music or channels placing music that's similar to mine and just make, make the list of the curators and try and build those relationships uh, of getting into it in front of a new audience. And I think I, you've, I know you've had, you said you've had people um, on from TikTok and stuff before, yep. but 
creating, honestly, creating cool video and image content for all the social media platforms is a game changer. Like I've had, I haven't blown up, but I've had a couple videos with my songs that I've made on TikTok start leading to listenership over on, on Spotify and people following along with your story and your, and your journey. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's kind of everything I would say is, is the, is how to build the ball. It's making one fan at a time. Um, YouTube on Spotify, somebody passes your cassette over sync placement. It's like everything kind of contributes to it. Uh, I haven't, I've never had just like one thing that, that worked. Yeah. Um, and it almost sounds like that, that parallels a lot of our discussion earlier on where I'm like, can you crutch on sync? And you're like, well, I don't aim to crutch on it. It's one of many mm. sort of cogs in the system. Um, well, I will say, I don't know how many songs I've put out now, 35, 40 something songs. I've only had one, I think like take off because of sync. I had a song. Um, I don't even remember what it was on. What was it? Do you remember the name I, of the song? Yeah, it was a song that I uh, called Still Believe that I had put out a couple years ago. And I, th- I want to say it was on a channel here in the US called Freeform. It was on a TV show called The Fosters. And I, they used the song in the TV show. And that placement, like, bl- I checked my Spotify the next day and there were like 10,000 people had listened at shazammed it or something crazy and that got it on discover weekly and the song ended up getting a couple hundred thousand plays after that but out of the and and i'm super grateful for that but out of you know 40 songs or something that i put out now in the last couple of years there's only like one time that a sync placement just accelerated the growth of the song it's almost like playing the lottery yeah um and I'm, I'm going to like completely flip the script here. Mm-hmm. Was it pl- like, cause you said you, uh, f- was it two, three years ago, three, so years ago, you started doing your independent thing as in do- doing your own solo project. And you said, mm-hmm. I'm going to release consistently once a month. You wanted that cadence. And you said, you know, I noticed something, you know, the two discovery playlists, discovery weekly, and um, it's on the Friday. What's it called again? Release, release radar. radar. Release radar. They started growing and picking up. Yeah. Was that something that haphazardly occurred and you recognized or was that super intentional from release day one? You said, I'm releasing consistently because that's what I want to achieve. Or was it just something you discovered six months into it? You're like, oh, wow, this is it was a It was a discovery for sure. I, I picked the consistency. Um, I picked the consistency because like as a songwriter, I've, I was just kind of laughing at myself. I was like, if I can't finish three minutes of music in 30 days, like I, I've got, I, I've just felt, I felt like I had other problems that I would need to address if that, if I couldn't accomplish that for myself, that's how I felt because I had all these half finished songs and throwaway ideas. I just wasn't finishing anything. So I, to, for myself, I was like, I just got to finish stuff, hell or high water, good or bad and put it on the internet. Uh, and so that started in about six I would say probably about six to nine months into it, I started to notice that pattern that people were finding my music on release radar and discover weekly. And it was like slowly growing as a result of it. And then it clicked. I was like, Oh, 
putting it out frequently because I think release radar requires you to have listened to that artist, I don't know, within six weeks or so, however the algorithm works. So there's a recency to it. Uh, and yeah, that, that was a discovery, but it didn't, it didn't influence the decision. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. And do you do anything like that now where like, cause that was obviously a system to help your sort of personal growth or whatnot, where you're like, okay, I need to be able to finish this because it's three minutes of music and 30 days. If I can't do it, that's an issue as a songwriter. Are there any systems that have sort of popped their head up moving forward that you've developed to sort of nip in the butt, any things that you feel you've been struggling with? What do you, hmm, what do you mean? So like, I don't know. It could be like for me, I get up super early in the morning. It's like, well, because I want to get more shit done and I can be pretty lazy if I wake up too late. I always get up earlier in the morning. That's a system I did to sort of help me through a certain habit or, or so to speak. Are there any other things that are sort of like popped up into the Nicholas Roberts lifestyle or way he mm. works based off of something similar to that, that last occurrence with the regular release? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I, at its core, I feel like the idea of consistency is about is about forming a habit. Okay. Uh, and once you, I think once you've formed a habit, it's it become it's obviously a habit. It's e obviously easier to to do that thing. And so, I feel like any of those things that I've implemented are all kind of tacked onto this core habit of releasing songs frequently. And I've played with like ramping that up to what once every two weeks or something is what I, what I'm looking at right now, but it's all kind of anything I'm doing in the day is built off of getting to that goal. So for me, that's, I keep a, a one open note on my computer all the time, just usually by a month. Uh, that's just a running commentary in my head of everything that I need to do to reach that core goal. So I, I, kind of nerdy but i break everything that i have on that list of things to do into projects and tasks and i usually tackle like two projects in a day which might be making an instrumental or a sync thing or whatever it is and then tasks of i gotta go to the post office to mail a cd i've gotta send this anything i can do in like 10 or 15 minutes but that's like that helps keep me organized and I've developed that habit probably over the last year, but all of that is really just influencing that core objective of releasing more music more frequently. Okay. So, so your goal is to release as much music as you can as a songwriter. Yeah. I like, I like making music and I, it's, I didn't set out to just do more. I've just now, have so much more that I don't sitting on it isn't doing me any isn't fun like yep. it's not gonna, there's no better time to to release a song uh at the moment so I just I'm trying to just get stuff out so that I don't get bored and I don't overthink it because if you have a song sitting on your hard drive I'm sure you know this if it's sitting there for eight months or nine months and you just keep seeing the demo demo, demo eventually you get tired of it you're not you get burnt out if it's not out and you keep revising it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a master I did with Carl Barner um, for one of his clients two years ago. And it is the most okay. insane off your fucking chops rap record ever. Like it is 
<laughs> so good. But the artist didn't put it out because they wanted a music video with it. And because of all the COVID stuff happening in the States, it's been oh, off no. the cards and a radio and, and he got a, and he got a premiered on a radio as like a sort of pre-release thing. And, I, and it was just such a tease. I was like, oh, mate. You, you, uh, uh, um, but, but it does bring me to a really interesting thing because a trend I've noticed um, during 2020 was that people felt like it was the wrong time to release music career-wise. They were like, okay, it's, you know, everybody's sort of locked in and, you know, if I'm releasing music now, I can't really make the most of it. Um you kept releasing throughout 2020 and was that ever something that sort of popped into your mind with the state of everything that happened with COVID or not really, you just kept plowing along? For sure. I think, I think everybody considered not releasing music for a multitude of reasons. Like the music industry was in disarray this year. I think yeah. everybody felt it in some way. It was in hypershock. Yeah. I mean, they cut out, you cut out the entire thing. It was yeah. all gone uh, for a whole year. I think if I'm remembering, I was kind of thrust into, like, nobody knew COVID was going to happen. So kind of by the time, at least here in the US, if I'm remembering last January or February, um, we hadn't shut down yet. And I, my stuff is scheduled a couple months out. So my own material stuff with labels, diff just different projects were already scheduled to come out and I couldn't really hit the brakes on that stuff. And it kind of thrust me into continuing the cycle okay. uh, of releasing. I think I, pro I missed one or two months uh, just personal stuff. But other than that, yeah, I think I had, I thought about not putting stuff out and like take a breather, ride it out a little bit, but Ultimately, I think people people needed music. I know I needed music during the pandemic, and I I think people like what I do. Uh, so I wanted to I wanted to put it out for for people that that want to hear it. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. And there are thirty thousand people a month that say they like listening to Nicholas Roberts. So you know, you you definitely help some people along the way with your music. So that's. Okay. That, that's really cool. Um, yeah, no, I was just really curious your take on it because it's everybody had their own sort of approach to managing that sort of stress and anxiety mm -hmm. because releasing music on its own, like I, I think um, artists are like superheroes in my eyes because- Why? Why? Because I get, ner I, I get nervous. I think every engineer does whenever they send off a mix or a master for approval. Okay, because we, we love our stuff, we love our work, we just, we, we really want to hit it out of the park for our clients. So it's right. like, we get a little bit nervous and we didn't even write the music, we just mixed it or mastered it. I'm not trying to diminish our role, but you guys start with a completely blank slate, mm. build something out with, like, it, it, it's like running naked in a field because it's like, it's, 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 every, it's, it's, it's you, it's you on a plate, every song. It's like, these are my ideas. These are my feelings. These are my emotions. And then you're like, I'm going to put it out on the biggest resource the world has ever seen for people to access information. Mm -hmm. And it can be seen by anyone and everyone at any point in time. And I just think it's admirable. I think it's a really, 
strong testament um, to artists whenever they put out music. So I'm just always curious, especially with things that happened last year, about how people manage that um, with added stress of things going on. Because I just I've never considered it in that in that level of grandeur before. But, but it, it's it's a it's 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 at least my reality or the way I look at it for artists. Mm. It's just I just um yeah I just like it's 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 a heavy emotion for me because you know I'm a musician as well. I used to release music when I was in my teenage years, but you know you're a little bit more a little bit more sheltered when you're when you're a young teenager or whatnot sure. from from the from the real from the real world from the at least even the music industry because it can be pretty tough. So I don't yeah. know. I just I don't know. Superheroes. If I if I could wear a Nicholas Roberts cape with like a big N, like a, su- that, a superhero cape, I would. It, it, it's well, it would cool. look like your name. That would be the. It'd be the same thing, pretty much. I need to get capes printed. That's a great idea. Yeah, that, that, that's really cool. It's it's. I, I think it's so hilarious the fact that you know we share the same names. Yeah, um, like the same. It yeah, m- minus one vowel, but otherwise pretty much the same. I I think th- I can't remember why uh, I had me- messaged you the first time. I think it was I think I had reached out to like for us to work together, and I remember seeing your name and I was so confused. I can't remember. I was tired. I think I was in Europe at the time, and I was like, I can't be messaging myself on here. I had to, I like triple checked it over and over again. Um, it, it's funny you say that about about the artist side of things because I feel I feel equally unaware of what happens when I you know print down stems on my end and I send them out like to get mixed and finalized. But it's it's like black magic to me. I own the same like I have the compressors and all I put them on the tracks, but I don't I don't really know where we're hitting to get to get it done. Like I, there's no way I could put stuff out if I didn't have uh, somebody on the other side of it to, to make it sound good. It would be embarrassing. Yeah. That, that's, that's interesting because as, as I said, this shows after mastering, it's everything that happens after mastering. Uh-huh. So when you receive a master back, what are you, what, what are you listening for? Not from a technical perspective, Mm-hmm. from a this is my music this is my product this is what i'm packaging and giving out to the world what are you listening for is a certain emotion is a certain feel is it like w- what are your boxes to tick before you say I- i'm gonna run with this and, and put this through DistroKid or whatever you're using mm-hmm. up up into the world i think what do i think backing it up just just before mastering Okay. I think that I, on, as a songwriter, you have to be, I think you have to be excited about what it is that you are making. Uh, because I, having taken so many songs, like from full idea, full recording, send a mix, send a master. When I get the master back, I want to have the same, I want to feel as hyped as I did when yeah, I want to feel hyped about it, I guess. And if you're not feeling hyped about it, I think oftentimes it isn't because of a technical thing. It isn't because the mix and the master. It's 
like back on the songwriting. Maybe the songwriting wasn't strong enough or maybe the arrangement wasn't strong enough. But I think if you get that right and you can you can almost hear the potential of it when you're when you're bouncing out stems, when you get that master back and it should give you that same energy, that same excitement that you had in your head when you like hit print and sent it out. And I think that's what I'm in a really vague way is like a the energy of a track. Uh, if you if it clicks and you hit play on it and it's pumping through the speakers and you're like, yep, no changes, then you home run. Curious then, have you ever finished the writing process without that energy about a song and continued to push it out for release? Ooh, out through release. So it's like I'm not energetic about this, but I'm gonna put it out or you or you might not even say that consciously, but in the back of your head, in your gut, you know, like the the the, the tension around your shoulders. It's sort of like mm-hmm. you're sort of just egging yourself on. You're like, oh, nah, nah, this is good. This is all right. This is all right. But even though maybe deep down you're like, I'm not a hundred percent on this track. I've tried to be more. I think it's split. Uh, I early on obviously the first stuff I ever recorded wasn't very good. And I, I kind of, we all kind of know that I think when you're working on it, you're pumped to be doing it, but there's like 5% of you. That's like, maybe this could be better. I think over time I will finish writing a song, but I try not to, produce and work on something if I don't think that it's like done it's not done if it's not done in my head I'm not gonna kind of pursue it and I try to filter out what it is I'm working on while I'm working on it and say I finished writing this but I'm not gonna send this to mix and try and pretend that we're gonna fix whatever problem was there at the next steps however I I do think there are times there are things in a, in a mix that, or in the recording process that just don't matter and you need to get out of your own way about them as well. So I, I feel like same with that song that like lit you up, uh, that rap song that, that came on. I feel like you can hear, I've lost my train of thought. I feel like you can hear when a song is, is good Wow, how have I completely lost my train of thought? That's embarrassing. You want to run? Yeah, I was. That's what it was. That I think at a certain point you have to be able to also be willing to accept that mistakes are part of the recording process, and that artists. I feel like a lot of times a song will be good, and they second guess it on the other side because the the click track bled into the microphone or something else. So I feel like it's it's a double edged sword of learning when to let go and learning when to say you've come far enough on this song and you need to scrap it and move on and not push it all the way to the end. Yeah. If that makes, if that makes sense. That does make sense. That does make sense. And, and does that line get easier as time goes on or does it get more blurred as you're doing more things at once? I think maybe you can attest to this. I think that line I, it gets easier as time yeah. goes on. I think you get better and better at recognizing your own what 
your own craft and saying like, I want to finish this song. It hypes you up and you get better at taking, you get better at finishing the race, yeah. I guess is the, if you've never run a race before, it's going to be hard to do it. But the more that you run, you're getting better at running and at the act of actually finishing races. Yeah. And also you get a little bit better at having some foresight. Like even now when, mm-hmm. when, when I'm getting a record ready to work on, I already like, it used to be sort of like, um, this is a package I'm trying to unwrap and explore. Whereas now I can sort of hear it and go, it's going in this direction. So mm-hmm. I already know it, or I can even go, Hey, it's going in this direction. It's not going to, it's not going to work out. We need to get back to the drawing board earlier on with the, yeah. the client. So yeah, I actually, I actually do understand it. And I never, when I asked that question, I didn't even consider that. I, 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 I like, I didn't even consider that you sort of brought that out talking of your own experience so because i was i was thinking along the lines of not that i should anticipate my 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 um guests answers but i was sort of thinking of the lines of oh because you got more on it can be harder because you know you got to juggle more balls like that, that, mm. that's like sort of where my brain was sort of going leading that question in but no you, you made a really cool really cool point there because we do develop that sort of maturity with how we understand our work as time goes on yeah, you get you just get better at juggling more things. I think as you're able to get out of your own way on letting mistakes through, or like you said, you know the direction that it, that the tro- the song is trying to go. You're able to envision what it needs to get to. Um, that they're well worn roads, and I think yeah, as you get better over time, you're able to juggle more and more projects because you you have the foresight to know how they're all going to kind of turn out if you're putting your time into them. And, and does that bleed also into releases and how you put them together afterwards? Do you sort of have a gut feeling when you put a track up, you know, four weeks out of a release and you start putting your campaign together and pushing it and you give it to your agent, do you ever have a gut feeling about a track and it lines up correctly or is it sort of hit and miss the market tells you which way it's going to go? I, I'd say it's, yeah, completely 50-50. I, I have no idea anymore. Sometimes I think a song will do well and it and it'll do do some do some cool stuff. Sometimes I think a song's gonna do well and nope, nobody cares. Uh yeah, that's hard to predict. I think that's for me uh, the the frequent releases for me is specifically for that reason. Is that I don't know what people are gonna like. I know what I like and all I can do is put, I can put that out into the world and try and share it. And so I think, yeah, it's not up to me to decide if it's good or bad. I already know how I feel about it. I'm only going to put out the stuff I like. So yeah, it's just, it's kind of up to however people feel. And I, I try not to, I try not to taint those waters too much by trying to predict how people will think, think of something. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Well, as 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 we're moving on with time, I'm just back on your Spotify profile. I always do this whenever I'm on whenever I'm on a chat with with people. I just always have the Spotify profile up. Um, you've got Feel So Right coming out tomorrow, or it's already out in the future <laughs> because I I live in the future. Um, Me too. Um, do you have to do you pay extra for that? Is rent more expensive to live in the future? No, rent's much much cheaper here than it is 
um, in LA. So, you know, living Hell in the future, yeah. ha- living in the future definitely have its, has its benefits. Um, this comes out tomorrow in the future. How are you feeling about it at the moment? Is there anything you want to say or add or plug or talk about or something that's sort of exciting you at the moment with this release coming up that you want to tell people and scream at the top of the world about? Scream at the top of the world. I mean, I feel good about it. I'm, I like working with this label. Uh, they're called Suave. They're based in the Netherlands. I've worked with them on a c- couple songs before. They're really great people at the label uh, and they, they seem to care about, about music. So I like working with them uh, when I can. What do I want to say about it? It kind of happened. I mean, it happened almost by accident. I had started writing some songs just like we were saying, maybe this, maybe this is a decent tie in. Um, I had just started writing songs and was just collecting kind of top lines, just me and guitar or me and a piano or something. And just putting them up on my SoundCloud in like a private playlist. Uh, and I was putting songs up, not really thinking about them. I, at the time I was just, I had a week where I think I maybe wrote like five or 10 songs. And I just recorded all of them and I put them up and the artist that I'm releasing with tomorrow, we chatted a little bit online before, but I sent him the playlist, not knowing, I didn't know if he would like any of them, but this song that he had picked at the time, the way that the melody was and stuff, I wasn't, I wasn't upset about it, but I wasn't crazy about the song, but we ended up working on it together and turning it into what we ended up releasing, uh, which is what, what's coming out tomorrow so i'm glad that i didn't like pre-filter what it was that i was doing because this the song wouldn't have happened if i had said that's not good i'm not good enough and didn't share it with share it with somebody so i i don't know i don't know what's good um good out in the world yeah what what one man's one man's trash is another man's treasure um not that it's trash but i'm just saying as in like figure of speech wise I think we all. Ha- I think everybody has songs like that that you're like, this isn't, this isn't good, uh, but people might love it, and then you got to decide. You got to decide if uh, if you're going to put it out. Yeah. Was was it much of a decision after he did the production? Was it sort of like you do your thing, and whatever it comes back with, them will decide, or did he just do something, show you, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm all on board. Yeah, he did something and showed me, and I was like, "All right, I'm on board." We played around with uh, with like finishing the production from there, but he sent me some of the early demos uh, that he was working on just so he could get a feel for the song, and I was I was really happy with it because it was completely different than the way that I had imagined it and written it. He gave it a completely new life, uh, which which is always fun. That's the exciting part of when I get to feature with other artists. I get out of my own way on how I would produce it. I get to send it to somebody else to just make something completely different that I would, I would never in a thousand years be able to make something that sounded like that. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love it. I love the story. I I, I love, I love, I love this. This this is one, one of my favorite episodes um, just because I've been, I'm not an outsider to your world. We've worked together, but I'm talking about the fact that I see the placements happening. I see the releases happening. I've never looked under the hood much more than that, other than what pops up in my newsfeed when I'm scrolling. 
right uh, summaries of yeah and it's just it's just it's, it, it, it's so in-depth and i reckon we could go for like three four five hours on it because it, it it's like a whole new world um especially the sync stuff but yeah i i really appreciate having I'm you so on. glad I really do. It's really kind. You're really kindly spoken and and very thoughtful in in in, in what you had to share on the podcast. Thank so you. I appreciate you having me. That's I'm I'm excited that you're you're doing this. I'm really appreciative that uh, that you invited me on. You're a great you're a great dude, and I'm happy to know you and and have you in my life. No, likewise, very much likewise, man. So. Um, thank you for joining on the podcast. I'm going to leave the link to all your socials and everything in the description so people can cool. find you. They can see what's going on. They can, you know, start watching more MTV. Um, but yeah. yeah, thank you so kindly for coming on. Really appreciate it. Sure thing, man. I appreciate it. No worries. All right. Thank you.